Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. This is cool, man. I really just kind of want to soak it in a little bit, but it's a solo show, and I'm the only one on it, so that really wouldn't work. I need to be the one talking. I think a lot of you know me because I've been on with Jim quite a bit over the years. Man, it seems like it's almost every couple weeks during football season. Ross Tucker, former NFL player, five teams, seven years since then, like sort of a classic journeyman, played for Washington, the Cowboys, the Bills, the Patriots, the Browns. Well, I don't really talk about that very much. Now I've got a few small businesses like MyFrontPageStory.com, which you guys find a way to crash every time Jim plugs it, which is incredible. The only station I go on where that actually happens. And then I do a lot of broadcasting. So next Friday night will be my first preseason game this year for the Philadelphia Eagles. I do a ton of college games right here on CBS Sports Network. And then I do a lot of NFL games that you can hear on these same Odyssey stations on Westwood One as well. So, so fired up to be here. You know, I think if you've heard me on with Jim a lot, you know what I'm about, right? I'm I'm about having fun. You know, I want to talk about food and beer and football. I want to laugh. I want to be really interactive. I'm hoping to get a lot of tweets from you guys throughout the show, at Ross Tucker NFL, and a lot of calls. I want to get the full jungle experience. I want to hear from the clones. Different number since I'm coming out of New York today. 855-212-4CBS. So that's 855-212-4227. Or you can always hit me up on Twitter, at Ross Tucker NFL, really any social media. Or you can email me, if you're not a social media person, over at RossTucker.com. I get those because I want to be highly interactive. We have a busy, busy show. In 18 minutes, my guy Andrew Brandt, columnist for Sports Illustrated, host of the Business of Sports podcast. He's going to be joining me to go over all the latest with Deshaun Watson because that is, yet again, by far the biggest news in the NFL right now. Deshaun Watson. The NFL officially announced yesterday after Jim's show that they would be appealing, and there are reports now from Pro Football Talk, from Albert Breer, that Goodell is not going to hear the appeal himself. In fact, it's not even going to be anybody in the league office. He's going to designate it to someone outside of the league office, which is interesting because he's given up some control there, which is surprising to me. I thought he would give it to somebody else in the league office so they could act like it was objective, act like it was neutral, and then that person would just do what Goodell and the other owners wanted. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. Still, you'd have to think that whoever he designates it to will be sympathetic to the cause of what Goodell is looking to get done here. Because I don't know how how that person gets paid, but if you don't do what the NFL does, they're probably not going to designate you again. Designate me, dude. Designate me. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do like a Twitter poll. How many How many games is enough for Deshaun Watson? So there's a lot to get to with Deshaun Watson, which kind of bums me out, to be honest, right? Like, I don't want to be talking about that. 
I want to be talking about football. I'm I'm not happy, to be honest. I mean, I'm thrilled that I'm in for Jim. This is kind of a dream come true. This is cool for me, right? To hear that music coming back from break, I hear that music come back from break all the time, whether I'm listening or whether I'm coming on with Jim as a guest. I never hear that music. And then the guy says, with guest host Phil and Ross, they're like, that is awesome. I need to cut that audio and just have that. That is awesome. To fill in for Jim Rome, are you kidding me? So very, very cool. But I want to show you guys what I'm all about. Like, I want to be laughing and talking about, you know, getting a whole tub of mint moose tracks ice cream, the greatest ice cream flavor in the world, because I mentioned on my show, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, I couldn't find it anywhere. So the guy linked in me. And came over to my house with a tub, like a 96 scoops. It's like six gallons of ice cream. I don't know how, like, I won't even get through that all football season. So that's what I want to talk about. But instead, I want to talk about the game tonight. Like, I'm fired up. I love the Hall of Fame game because it tells us football's back. It tells us we have football every weekend until mid-February. I just like seeing the uniforms on the field tonight. I just like seeing the Ra- – first of all, the Raiders have the best uniforms in sports. Not just in the NFL, not just in football, in sports. So I can't wait. And if you disagree, you got to tell me why. Because I – give me a uniform that you think is better than the Raiders, and I will destroy you right here on the radio, on TV. Love the Raiders uniforms. Absolutely cannot wait to see the silver and black tonight against the Jaguars. Because every year, it's like, okay, we're back. Those are actual NFL uniforms, actual NFL players. And I'm going to get into, over the course of the show, why I love preseason football. And I know a lot of you don't. That's fine. And I'll get into this later. I'm okay with you not loving preseason football. Just do me a favor. Don't tell me you're the biggest football fan ever. Or don't tell me, don't tell me you're the biggest Jags fan, Duval. Or don't tell me I'm the biggest Raiders fan, Raider Nation. And then not watch the whole game tonight. I'm not saying you have to watch the whole game. I get it. It's a lot of backups. Maybe you don't care. Preseason doesn't count. Totally get it. Just don't tell me you're the biggest fan because I know a lot of people that watch every second of the preseason games. I do the Eagles preseason games on TV. There's a lot of people. They watch every, I know they watch every second. Because in the fourth quarter, I'm usually just like cracking jokes and stuff. And they'll reply on Twitter, at Ross Tucker NFL. They'll hit me up with a tweet. So here's what I'm going to do, okay? In about 10 minutes, we're going to get my man Andrew Brand on. Because I want to get to all the particulars. And I'd rather have him explain the next steps rather than me go through all of the next steps of what happens after this. Because i got to be honest with you, Andrew went to law school. I didn't. I hate talking about this stuff. Like, I want to be talking about uh, tackles and touchdowns, not like preliminary injunctions and arbitrators. Like, this is garbage. And we've been talking about it for so long. And it feels like, quite frankly, I don't know if other sports are like this, But it feels like stuff like this comes up with the NFL a lot. And I don't enjoy talking about it. I hope, you know what I hope happens? I hope they settle. I hope the NFLPA and Deshaun Watson and the NFL, I hope they settle. 
I don't know what the number of games is. Maybe it's 10. Maybe it's 12. I hope they settle and we know what it is and it's over. The last thing I want, absolute last thing I want, is for the NFL to give them a year and then Watson sues. And during the season, we're talking about Deshaun Watson's court case. Who cares? I can't stand stuff like that. By the way, you know what I think is the most interesting thing? And my man Stu Kovacs on the other side of the glass, I'm going to go to Stu at times. So I'm just telling you right now, like I, I'm going to go to Stu just to make sure I'm not being crazy with some of the things I'm saying, just to check me a little bit as I wait for some of you guys to check me at 855-212-4227. But the new CBA is the first time where there's someone independent jointly decided by the NFL and the NFLPA that actually goes ahead and hears the case like Sue Robinson did with Deshaun Watson. And I think the NFLPA, which I was a member of, I guess I'm still technically a former player member of, I think they were really happy about that. I, I think they were really excited about that. Like, hey, at, you know, we have an, somebody independent that's going to be the one that that decides things. And And honestly, she is the only one that decides what the facts of the case are. In this appeal, they're not allowed to bring new facts. She has decided what the facts are. Goodell or the designee, they're only now able to decide whether or not the punishment is justified. So the facts are done. And she basically said she didn't believe Deshaun Watson at all. I mean, that's basically what she said. She doesn't find him credible, doesn't believe him, which is a whole other story because the Browns have a statement saying how remorseful he is, and yet there's been no remorse from Deshaun Watson. He has consistently said he's never done anything wrong. He even went so far as to say he's never disrespected a woman. Deshaun, what what are you talking about, dude? You had 24 women sue you. You necessarily disrespected women. Now, maybe you don't think you did, but you don't get to decide what disrespects somebody else. That was a really bad comment. I think he said that like at his Browns introductory press conference. Really, really bad comment. Really bad comment. But here's the point I want to make in the open. We're going to have fun. We're going to get to a lot of your tweets and emails and calls. It's not going to all be Watson. In fact, I got Dick Vermeil. He's going in the Hall of Fame. He'll be on at 12.40 p.m. Eastern time here. So he'll be on in about 30 minutes. We will have Dick Vermeil on because the Hall, it's Hall of Fame weekend. And in fact, this is kind of crazy, but after the show today, I'm driving back to Pennsylvania, where I live, getting up at 5 a.m., driving to Canton, Ohio, and they're actually letting me do this show, Jim's show, from the Hall of Fame, from Canton, Ohio, tomorrow, remotely. I don't. Do they do a lot of remotes with Jim? I don't. I can't believe they're even letting me do this, but I'm glad they are. It should be fun to do it from the Hall of Fame. So it's not going to be all Deshaun Watson because I want to get into some Jimmy G stuff. I want to tell you some Tom Brady stories since he just turned 45, and I want to interact with you guys. But here's the point I want to make about the new CBA as it relates to discipline. 
this is better for the NFL. It sets up better for the NFL. You know why? Because they can let Sue Robinson issue the initial punishment. Everybody's mad at her. The the general consensus is it's too many games. What is she doing? That's terrible. And then here comes Roger Goodell riding in on his white horse, and he gets to be the hero. You know, back in the day when Goodell would just hand out the punishment, he would get slaughtered. People would criticize it. People would be all over Goodell with his punishment. That's too much. That's too little. Although, you know what? They didn't really often say too much. People usually are, are way more mad when they feel like it's too lenient than when it's too harsh. You know why? Because the guy's not on your team. <laughs> the only people that think it's too harsh are the Browns fans. Let, does anybody know anyone that thinks six games is too many for Deshaun Watson other than Browns fans or maybe like members of Deshaun Watson's family? Like literally nobody, right? So Goodell gets to come in and he gets to be the hero. So this new discipline appeal process, it's set up perfect for the NFL. But I got a lot of other questions as it relates to that. Does it really matter a lot to you? I get, you know, we we talked about it so much, and I've seen other people on other shows get on a soapbox and like, you know, this is horrible. This sends a terrible message. What he did is awful. I, I've read the reports. I've read Jenny Rentis from the New York Times. It's gross. He, honestly, more than anything else, I feel like he needs like counseling. I mean, he's a weirdo. Like, there, there's no other way to describe it. To, to reach out to that, I've never heard of an NFL player reaching out to that many different massage therapists. It's weird. It's bizarre. He's got some type of, I don't know if you call it a fetish. I don't know. I, I don't want to say stuff that gets people mad. He, he's got something there that's not right, and he needs help for it, clearly. Although I guess Sue Robinson said he can only use Brown's approved massage therapist now. Does he get to be part of the interview process? And how deep are they going? Does he, you know, uh, no, five's not enough. Ten, now let's go. I'm thinking more like 40 to 50 just so I have some to choose. Like that, the whole thing is gross. The whole thing is bizarre. But I also wonder how much you guys all really care. Like are you Deshaun, does it really mean a lot to you? How many games he suspended? Because I suspect it sounds good. I don't think that many people really care when it really comes down to it. I'm very curious to find out what you guys think. Hit me up on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL, or you can give me a buzz 855 212 4227. That's 855 212 4CBS. We're going to get the particulars out of the way and ask all of our questions with Andrew Brandt when we come back, the host of the Business of Sports podcast, and that way we'll know exactly what we're dealing with. And then I'll dive into, after Coach Vermeil, your thoughts and whether or not you agree, you disagree, whether or not you care. I'm at the point now where I kind of want to know whether or not you care. Just getting started here. First time ever, Ross Tucker in the big chair. Ross Tucker in the jungle. I, I even wore my Princeton football shirt. So we finally have a tiger in the jungle. It's the Jim Rome Show here on CBS Sports Radio and CBS Sports Network. You guys are unbelievable, by the way, on social media. 
You're already all over it. I love it. At Ross Tucker NFL, Rob North of GR said former producer Kyle Brandt has been a sub pimp in the box and graduated from Prince. And you're right. I'm not the first tiger in the jungle. I appreciate that, Rob. In fact, you probably don't know this, Rob. Kyle Brandt was my college roommate and teammate and fraternity brother, and he'll be on the show tomorrow. So, of course, I should have known that Kyle was a tiger in the jungle before. Loving some of the interaction. You know what I love on Twitter, by the way? Bella B. I love Bella B. She always gets so excited to crash the website, myfrontpagestory.com, and she, she replied to me. She said, he's a weirdo is the truest of the true about Deshaun Watson. I mean, are we allowed to say, I mean, that's what he is. It, 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 he's, he's, it's weird. If someone's doing something that's weird, they're a weirdo. That, that's all there is to it. Let's talk to somebody, by the way, who I've known for a long time. There is no better legal expert to talk to as it relates to Deshaun Watson situation. Here's what I want to do. I want to get all of the facts from my guy, Andrew Brandt, longtime executive for the Packers. Before that, he was an agent. Now he writes for Sports Illustrated. He's a lawyer. He's got an unbelievable podcast on my network, the Business of Sports podcast. And he joins me on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast almost weekly. So I wanted to get a guest I was comfortable with for my first guest here in the jungle. Check him out on Twitter, at Andrew Brandt. Andrew, let's just get right into it. Good to talk with you on a different platform, my friend. Let's just start with where things stand right now. After the NFL appealed yesterday and the reports just came out that Goodell's going to actually designate someone else outside of the league office. Are you surprised by that, Andrew? Yeah, Ross, always good to be with you. I'm surprised a few things. I was surprised that it's only a six-game suspension. We can talk about that. Uh, I'm not as surprised that Roger Goodell for the appeal, which if people don't know is appealed by the NFL to the NFL, has taken himself out of the equation personally. The only question in my mind is whether the designee, the person he appoints to be that hearing officer, or not even hearing officer, appeal ruling officer was going to be someone in the office, pick a name, Troy Vincent, somewhere else, or someone outside of the office, Will and we've yet to hear, but someone with uh, impeccable credentials, could be a Condoleezza Rice, could be a Paul Tagliabue, whatever it may be, and it looks like he's going that way. And the only thing I can say, Ross, is that he is trying to insulate himself the league as much as possible from outside court review. So number one, yes, they did exactly what the CBA said and courts should defer to the CBA. But just in case they think he's overreaching, he also appointed someone not only outside him, but outside the NFL office to be a quote unquote, more independent appeal officer after having an independent hearing officer. So I think that's where that's coming from. So, Andrew, I'm shocked by this because isn't he giving up control here? I kind of thought Goodell would come in and either Goodell or someone else in the league office would hear the appeal, suspend him for a year, and they'd come in and they'd be the hero because 
people think six games is too light, and they'd come in, they know the public reaction. I thought they, it was a perfect opportunity for someone from the NFL to come in and more or less save the day in the court of public opinion. But if he goes outside the league office, he's giving up some of the control. Do you think he would only do that with the understanding that that independent person is is going to be in line with them? Or is he really willing to kind of roll the dice and – who knows? Maybe they came back with maybe they come back with six games is fine. Yeah, I mean, you would obviously think if it's appealed by the NFL to the NFL, you're going to have a harsher suspension. But I understand what you're saying. But let's just be clear, Ross. This is not Sue Robinson who's going to hear this. This is not someone that jointly the NFL and NFLPA picked. The NFLPA has zero say on who this person is. I think everyone knows that. So the person that Roger Goodell picks, and by the way, it's not going to be hearing, it's just reading the briefs, is going to be a lawyer, I would think, and is going to be someone that push comes to shove. I don't think the union would be picking to do this. So it is someone picked by them. We can read into it, however, implicitly, Roger Goodell is appointing someone to rule when he's asking them to rule, right? This is not the union asking someone to rule. It's the league asking someone to rule. Kind of like those independent investigations where they're paid by the the person doing the investigation. Uh, so I don't think it's independent like Sue Robinson. It's a different world from that. So here's what I think is interesting. A, a lot of aspects of it. But the, the point I made at the start of the show, Andrew, yeah. is I almost feel like the new process is better for the NFL than the old process. I agree. The, the, I mean, the old process, Andrew, Goodell had to come out with the discipline and face all the criticism, all the heat. Oh, it's too much or it's too light. The new process, I think the NFLPA was really proud of this, and the NFLPA was able to get this independent person that's jointly hired, and it's Sue Robinson – but all it really does is allow the league to take the temperature of the court of public opinion, and then no matter what the ruling is from the independent person, the league can basically swoop in and do whatever they want or whatever they think is in their best interest and almost never get the criticism now. It sets up better for them. Well, it not only sets up better for the league in everything you just talked about, but this idea of Watson, like Tom Brady and Ezekiel Elliott in the past, taking it to court, I think, as a lawyer, it insulates the league even more than those cases which Elliott and Brady lost. So this was a strategic move, I think, by the lawyers who said, okay, we'll agree to this union and said to themselves, this will help us in court because not only is it a collectively bargained process, which courts are always going to defer to, but it wasn't even Roger Goodell. It was someone the union picked along with the league. And by the way, as everyone knows, the facts are not good for Watson. And the appeal is not even about the facts. The appeal is about the penalty. So the facts are really bad for Watson. She agreed with the NFL that he violated personal conduct. She agreed that he was predatory. She agreed it was egregious. This is not looking good. The only question, Ross, is 
I think there are settlement discussions going on right now. I do. And maybe the league won't agree to eight games. Maybe they won't agree to 10 games. But the real question to me is, what could they get the union to agree with that wouldn't bring this to court? In other words, maybe this is even the the decision. If the decision goes to eight games, will the Watson go to court? I don't know. My guess is no. If it goes to 10 games, will Watson go to court? I don't know. That's a tougher one. Maybe he goes to court if it's a full season, but these are the kind of things they're weighing right now. Talking with longtime NFL executive Andrew Brandt here on the Jim Rome Show. Ross Tucker filling in for Jim today and tomorrow. That's a really interesting point, Andrew. Really interesting point, which is that not only is the new system set up better for the NFL because they can take the temperature of the public, they can see what the public, the quarter of public opinion is, but also if the NFLPA did sue, they got a much better standing because of the fact that it did start with somebody independent, jointly hired, named Sue Robinson, who agreed with the facts that Deshaun Watson did, in fact, have an issue with the personal conduct policy. Yeah. I mean, everything we talk about, Ross, is pro-league. I do want to point out, in Robinson's opinion, there's one sentence that bothers me if I'm the league. And I don't know if this has been talked about enough. There's one sentence in there that says, Joe Robinson opines, it is undisputed that this was, whatever it says, nonviolent. That concerns me if I'm the league a little bit. Because I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> because we have talked about how could this be nonviolent? How come the whole thing turned on nonviolent? How come it wasn't like Roethlisberger, Elliott, etc.? cetera, uh, Ray Rice, Kareem Hunt? Now, does that mean the NFL accepts this definition that Robinson uses of nonviolent? Because then you get into, oh, well, it's only been three games for the most nonviolent, and this is twice that, and maybe it's enough. So that would be, as a lawyer, the one line in the opinion that concerns me. So the only reason why they would settle it, Andrew, is because they don't want to have the appeal come back He's suspended for the whole year. The NFLPA files a lawsuit, and then we're talking about this for months. Because I said earlier, I can't stand it. Uh, Thank goodness for people like you, but I don't like talking about – I like football. I like talking about football. So I don't think the NFL wants that. So that's why – I noticed that right after the NFL appealed, Andrew, I noticed multiple reporters who work for NFL media – suggested there's still time to settle it. They don't just Mm. come up with that themselves, Andrew. They they don't just come up with that themselves. The NFL wants to settle it. It's probably in the best interest of the NFL PA to settle it. So the question is, how many do you think they settle it? And if so, how many games do you think it comes in at? Well, I think it's the settlement will be less games than the appeal officer decides. I can guarantee that. Um, Here's the thing, Ross. I don't know how the union is going to deal with this because on Sunday night, we haven't talked about this, They before the decision, 
They said, we accept the decision. So even if we get to a court case, this is all new. It hadn't been happened before. I don't see how he plays the first six games. Even if we get to that, because this wasn't the case with Elliott and Brady. Elliott and Brady weren't suspended. I mean, weren't the union didn't accept the suspension. So this is different. The way I read it, even if they bring it to court, he's not playing for six games, and then it's all about six plus. So we'll see. I, I give it a 50-50 they settle by tomorrow. Interesting. Uh, you got to check him out on social media, at Andrew Brandt. There is no one that has a better business of sports podcast than Andrew. That's why it's called the Business of Sports Podcast with Andrew Brandt. And you can check him out quite often on my daily program, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Andrew, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Ross, on any forum. Love it. This is the Jim Rome Show with guest host Ross Tucker on CBS Sports Radio. Yeah, I mean, it's such a good song. It is such a good song. Gets me so pumped up every time it comes on. You know who else gets me pumped up? Legitimately, every time I hear him talk, the coach, Dick Vermeil, who is going into the Hall of Fame. He'll be enshrined on Saturday. He's actually batting cleanup. They're saving the best for last in terms of giving the speech. It should be epic, and we got him here now on the Jim Rome Show, CBS Sports Radio. Coach Vermeil, great to talk with you as always. Congratulations, man. I'm so happy for you. Well, thank you very much. I feel I've been on the radio with you many times because I listen to you all the time when you're on with the WIP in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Coach. Has it? Has it? And by the way, um, you don't know this, but I'm coming out there to Canton tomorrow. This will oh, actually great. be my first time ever going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony because Tony Baselli invited me. So Tony and I are friends, and we work together at Westwood One, so I'm coming out there, so I'm going to see you. Are you bringing any of your awesome wine? Maybe I, maybe my wife can get some of your wine. Well, we're serving the wine at our party Saturday night, and we brought enough for at least 500 people. I know we have a legitimate 430 coming, so they'll enjoy it, I'm sure. That's amazing. Coach, uh, just a quick aside you need to know. Anytime my wife and I go to a BYOB place, we take the Vermeil Wines uh, to-go bag that you gave us at the broadcast boot camp, I think, back in 2007. So that that is an amazing to-go case. We t- Anywhere with the Jersey Shore, Stone Harbor, Avalon, we are always taking that thing. Uh, so I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm so happy for you, man. Uh, I'm really looking forward to to the whole weekend. Has it hit you yet? Do you get it yet, or do you think maybe tomorrow night? I think each day it's growing on me a little bit. Last night they had a cocktail party and light dinner with uh, all the former Hall of Famers and that. There was a lot of them there at the stadium in the ballroom, not the ballroom, but their cocktail room. And You know, you start standing around like all these great ones, you know, the Dan Fouts and the Bethesda's and the, these kind of guys, and it makes, you know, it makes you realize, my God, you're moving into an unbelievable fraternity. Did you think it would happen for you, Coach? No. I started thinking it might two years ago when I heard that my name was being brought up when they discussed coaches going in, you know, and they changed the mechanics of coaches going in. 
that they brought the attention of more coaches involved in the discussions and my name was involved. So from that time on, I thought maybe someday there might be a chance, but I never realized that it would happen like this. Does the wait and how long it took for you to get in, Coach, and I know you're not the type of person that was, you know, uh, sitting around waiting to get into the Hall of Fame, but does the wait, you know, you're 85 years old now, does it make it a little bit more special? I'm sure you'll have all the kids and the grandkids there. Does it make it a little bit better than if you had gotten in, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago? Well, I, I think it does. You know, it's. I think that Dan Reeves will eventually be allowed to go in and vote it in. I think Marty Schottenheimer, who should be in, will eventually make it. But they have passed on. So I feel fortunate that they decided on me while I'm still alive and can can, you know, share the experience with my family. You know, Coach, I'm so glad that you mentioned those two names because those are coaches that I go to bat for all the time. Now, I, I never played for Coach Reeves. I did play for Coach Schottenheimer my rookie year in Washington. But I'm a big believer, Coach, in having played for five teams. I'm a big believer in coaches like Coach Reeves like Coach Schottenheimer and like yourself that had success at multiple different stops. For you to get to the Eagles' first Super Bowl in 1980 and then to go to St. Louis and win a Super Bowl with the Rams and then go and have that great run in Kansas City, to me, that is more impressive. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Belichick or people like that. I know everybody thinks Belichick's the greatest coach ever, and that's fine. But my no point question. is, I'm always more impressed, Coach, by the coaches that do it with different franchises and or different quarterbacks. I'll give you another one. How about Joe Gibbs, Coach oh, Vermeil, winning the Super Bowl with three different non-Hall of Fame quarterbacks? To me, that's coaching. When you're doing it with different quarterbacks or you're doing it in different places, different franchises – and you're doing it consistently, that's how I know you're an elite coach. Well, you know, thank you. But, but I, if I had an attribute or a quality, I think it's centered around my ability to surround myself with great people. You know, I've had some outstanding assistant coaches and have made some real good draft picks and players and, and that kind of thing, and it uh, really enhanced my opportunities to be successful wherever I was. How much time have you put into the speech, Coach? Way too much. <laughs> I've been thinking about it for now three months, you know, and it's very, very, very difficult to condense a proper thank you into eight minutes when you've worked with three NFL teams. You started out in high school coaching, junior college coaching, college coaching, and be able to properly thank those that are responsible or made a huge contribution to your career in eight minutes is very difficult. And for me, it creates a, a high degree of frustration. Doesn't everybody just go long, though? I mean, I know they tell you guys not eight anymore. minutes, but don't people go like 20 minutes? No, not anymore. And it's better. It's better. I, you know, they have a framework, and I'm going to get it done, but I'm going to have to talk 100 miles an hour. What I'm hoping, if I don't quite get it done in eight minutes, they don't cut me off the last minute of what I have to say. <laughs> so I'm talking with Coach Dick Vermeil. He's going in the Hall of Fame. He'll get his gold jacket tomorrow night, and I'll be there. I, I've heard the gold jacket ceremony. Have you ever been there for one of them, Coach? Oh, about ten times, yeah. I've heard that <laughs> is it. actually the best part of it for the Hall of Famers. 
I think so. I really enjoy it. I really, really. Because why? Because the alumni, most of them that are still alive, come back. And when they prayed in the room and they're announced, to, to me, it just sends chills up and down my back to see these guys. I can't wait. What did you think, Coach, when you saw that they have you giving the last speech? Did you think, oh, man, I'll be tired by then? Or do you think that was an honor that, that, like I said at the start, they're saving the best for last? No, I just think, you know, my last name starts with a V. So uh, they uh, put me last at the end there. And, and, and I appreciate that. And, uh, I don't think they picked it because they thought I'd do the best job. I think it's just in the rhythm of placement of people and alphabetically. They did the same thing when they introduced me and the rest of us uh, at the Super Bowl this past year. I need to check. Uh, I need to check the betting app on my phone, Coach, because I'm sure there's some type of over/under on how many minutes in you're going to start crying because you're definitely going to cry, right? No question. <laughs> you know what? Coach, I can honestly say this. I've never told you this before. It's one of the things I like the most about you. I don't have any problem with men that cry. I think it's a great experience. Remember the Jimmy Valvano speech? Laugh, oh, yeah. cry, love. Yeah. You know, that's a full I, I have I, I always laugh when people think they're too macho to cry. Like what what does that mean? I'll cry and then punch you in the face. Who cares? Like I I, I never understood people that acted that way. I love that Saturday at about 2.30 p.m. Eastern time when you are thanking people that have meant so much to your life, I love that I'm going to see you cry because I know that you care that much and that it means that much to you. Well, you're, you're right on. You know, I used to embarrass myself that way, Ross, but one night I'm watching 60 Minutes and uh, General Schwarzkopf was on with Barbara Walters. And she asked him the question. She says, you know, General, I understand that you're a very emotional guy. And he says, yeah, that's true. And he said, you know, in my career, I never worried about those guys that cried. I worried about those that didn't. You know, so, uh, you know, that relieved me a little of inner, inward tension that a man of that stature would make that statement. But, you know, the big thing is, Ross, you got to be who you are, you know. Good well, or bad. and honestly, as a player that, that bounced around with five different teams. You can tell the coaches that aren't being themselves, and you can tell the coaches that are. Marty Schottenheimer used to get choked up often. The late Marty Schottenheimer couldn't couldn't agree more with you. You know, you sound like him, Coach. He used to talk about it was more about people than it was players. He used to talk so much about preparation. He would get emotional. You really do remind me of each other. I am thrilled for you. I'm so glad it worked out that the one-year – um, I got invited by somebody by Tony Baselli, and I'm going is the year that you're going in. Can't wait to see you. Can't wait to be a part of it. Congratulations, Coach. Well, thank you. Make sure you come over and see me, huh? I definitely will do that. My wife needs to meet the person that gave us our, our to-go wine bag for her right, uh, New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs <laughs> that she loves. <laughs> okay. Thank you. All you right. There care. he is, Dick Vermeil, the – Hall of Fame coach. You know, that's like the cool... I was talking to Tony Baselli about this on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. That might be the coolest part about going into the Hall of Fame is that for the rest of your life, that is how people introduce you. For the rest of your life. Like, anywhere you go, it's like... Or, you know, you do a broadcast on the radio, it's like, 
Hey, everybody, I'm Kevin Harlan, or I'm Ian Eagle here with the Hall of Famer, Tony Baselli, or Hall of Famer, you know, James Lofton. By the way, why do you have to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame to get that designation? I am in the Berks County chapter of the Pennsylvania State Hall of Fame. It's kind of a big deal. I don't know how to tell you this. Why don't they introduce me as a Hall of Famer? Hall of Famer, Ross Tucker. I always say, when people say, are you in the Hall of Fame? I'm always like, oh yeah, Pennsylvania State Hall of Fame, Berks County chapter. Say it real quiet. Like, trail off as you say that. Good night,